Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. You that have your Bible and would read with me today, if you turn to Galatians chapter 4, we'll read a verse there in chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4. I want to endeavor to talk to you today just like you're sitting up there in my home and you wasn't, didn't have on your Sunday clothes and you'd probably kick your shoes off for comfort and you were completely at ease and we just were going to talk about the Lord. You don't feel cramped because I call myself a preacher. You're thrilled because you claim to be a child of God. That's the attitude that I would love to prevail for the next 30 minutes. This first verse that we're going to read is in verse 19. I want this for my life. I want it for your life. To the degree that we have it will be to the degree that we make progress in our lives. You know, I talked a lot uh, about an hour and 20 minutes last Wednesday evening about the uh, blessing of having victory in our lives, the tragedy of being in bondage to error. But Paul is so involved in the lives of those that he's come in contact with, he's preached to, they've believed, and some of them are are trying to go back into bondage, into error. And his life is so involved in that till he is like um, a woman delivering a child. That every fiber of his body is involved in that effort to keep them from error. Now, to you ladies that has brought a child into the world ought to have some concept without any, any doubt whatsoever just how, how much Paul was willing to be used and, and, and the way of developing people into truth are, are striving to keep them from going back into error. I want that for myself. Are you hearing me? I want you to hear that. You know, sometime I beg you to come to my house. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. I'll make myself totally available to you. I've told you, if you didn't have time to come to my house, and you're so busy that I, that I would come, and, and while you shop for groceries, I'd, I'd push the cart, and I'd talk to you. We're living in a day that we don't think this is necessary. In fact, we don't even care. That's how far we've departed from truth. Well, let's read the verse. I want this for myself. I want it for you. Galatians 4.19. It's Paul's attitude. My little children, that's born again people, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. 
You follow that? I don't, you don't, I don't have to be interpreted. You don't have to run and get a commentary to find out what that said. Paul said, I'm involved in you regaining truth just like a woman is having a baby. That's as plain as I can make it. I want you, I don't, don't say anything. I just want you to listen and then get out and talk about it to yourselves and among yourselves. How many times in your life have you invited a preacher to come to you and just sit down and go through his sermon that you might understand it better? How many times have you done that in life? Don't say anything, just, just be honest with your own self. Now, I'm bashing this to myself. How many times have I went, are you following me? How many times have I gone and knocked on someone's door, even without an invitation, and say, did you understand my sermon? Would you please let me come in and go through it with you again, step by step, because it was so important? It's almost life and death with you. If you don't understand it, you will come under bondage. It'd be like your soul being in prison. Would you permit me to come in? That I seek for for myself and for this church. You know exactly what I want for me and for you. If I want to be as plain as I know how to be with compassion and with love, well, I, well, I will say that if I if I had completely regained this year, this Galatians 4.19, if I had a, had, if I had a fully regained that, I would have already been down by Brother Bernard Clark's. I would have found out, I would have asked him right where he lived. I wouldn't have asked him, could I come? I'd have just found out where he lived. He's a, he's a newcomer here. I'd have knocked on their door. I'd at least tried to go out of my way to show them how much I love them. Asked them if they had understood what I'd said. I believe with all my heart burning, I want you to believe it. I'm willing to survey the scripture with you to see if it's so. I'd say, do you want to survey the scripture to see if it's so? Then I would gain Bernard's confidence that I'm a truthful man. Just because I tell you I'm the truthful man, that don't mean I am. I could lie. I can only prove who I am by what I do year after year, year after year. I would have already done the same from Brother Bob Farnsmer. Whether he wanted me to come or not, not the idea. It's a case of whether I've got Galatians 4.19 in me as a preacher. If he's got Galatians 4.19, he'd welcome me, and we would try to grow and survey the Scripture together. But neither one of us has it to any major degree. But in this church, we're just trying to regain that. Have I made myself clear? We're just trying. It's available. It's available. But we've lost it and we're trying to regain it back. 
Would you turn now to Malachi 4.16? Go backwards in your Bible, way back to the last book in the Old Testament. I want this to be regained, what I'm fixing to read to you there. I want it to be in my home. I want it to be uh, in your home. When you turn to Malachi 4, uh, just then list that be talk a moment. I would love for each home here this day to have a Bible study in your home. I'd like you to have a Bible study in your home without a preacher being there. Among the people that I know that I grew up around, I reached conclusion that you can't do nothing without a preacher. That's utterly falsehood. Utterly. The preacher has his place. It's all right for him to be there. But if you just come in here for 30 minutes and hear me spout off, and you, there's no follow-up in that, there's about two-thirds of that. It'll be a waste of time. It'll never grow. It'll never bud. It'll never prosper. You have to want to sit around and talk with people yourself. You don't have to be a great theologian and expound the depth that you don't even understand yourself. And you could invite a, invite a neighbor or one of the church members, just two of you. And y'all could have real vital fellowship, a time of learning, a time of talk. You don't have to say, well, we can't get, well, if we could get Brother Wallace to come, we'd do that. That's utterly wrong. You won't do that that way if you grow like we want to try to regain. But the reason there's so little of that going on is because we have lost the spirit that I'm trying to talk to you about today. And we each one just kindly gloat in our own little knowledge, thinking that we know more than actually that we think and we'd actually know. Let's read, let's read Malachi 4, 16. Well, it's not uh, 4, 16, it's uh, 3, 16. Let's read it, let's read it slowly now and see what this says. I'm gonna, then I'm, I'm going to ask you, I don't want you to say anything back. I'm going to ask you, do you want that? I'll ask myself, do I want that? Let's read the verse, Malachi 4, 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. If if there's not some change during during this service today, after we say amen here, all that basically they will, all that will be said about this service, what was said, and all the afternoon, you could say it probably in five sentences. We will talk about everything except what was said. That's a culture we, we live in. I'm guilty of it. That's just a culture that we're in. We're trying to get ourselves out of that. We're so tied up in our own little denomination and our own religion and there's so much hatred in that that even parents that have children that belong to other other churches are afraid to mention God in front of them. That's right in this very church. So much hatred, so much bias, 
so much narrow-mindedness that we can't even talk about God if you're not in my church. My church has got it. Nobody else hadn't got it. And I'm mad at everybody else that hadn't got it. And so I spent all my time in telling everybody else what they don't know. And while I'm telling it, they observe I have no compassion whatsoever for them. I've been so guilty of that. In my own ministry, I want you to hear me say this. In my own ministry, I have said enough haughty remarks about other religions to send me to hell forever and forever were it not for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason you say sometimes I have a hard time talking to anybody else about what I believe, you know why it is? It's because all you want to do is to show them how wrong they are. That's all the reason that's it. You can settle on that. You want to get them in a corner where they can't say nothing and prove to them they're wrong. That's why you can't do it. That's why I can't do it. There's enough hatred and malice among religious people to sink us all in the lowest pit of abyss forever and forever. I read last night, I just got the New Testament and looked through there how what it said about Jesus when he looked upon people that was in bondage. And every place it said this about him. And he had compassion up on them. If you think that someone is in bondage or, or in a bit of truth or, or, or they don't understand the truth, instead of me putting my fingers in my lapel believing I know the truth and trying to get them in a corner to prove to them I'm to have compassion up on them. That'll help us an awful lot at the Ripley Primitive Baptist Church to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 9, especially it talks about Christ looking out upon the, upon the multitude, except the multitude, and that multitude was tired and they was just like uh, sheep without a shepherd. And it said, and Jesus had compassion up on them. If uh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll just uh, talk about the new acquaintance, I'll talk about Brother Bernard again. If I actually thought that something that he believed had him in bondage, I'm just using that to illustrate. I'm not saying that that's so. For me to get up here and bless him out for that is in the depth of ignorance and hatred with no love whatsoever. But when I die, if Brother Bernard could say that Brother Wallace did show me one or two places and help me, and the reason I accepted it and befriended him was because that he had compassion upon me at all times. You follow me in that? I always had that. I've been hateful many times. Hateful. I've said things in the pulpit that was hateful. Indeed, God didn't prompt. 
preachers are hateful just like anybody else is hateful. When the love of God is not foremost in their life. When, when our own nature is speaking through us, we're hateful. But Jesus never was hateful. He was full of truth with compassion. We need to try to regain that in our assembly. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. You want that in everyday life? Do I? That's a good thing, isn't it? And if, if you, what I, what read I read that to show, the only way I know to say it, it's, it, uh, I don't try to mean to belittle God in this, you're just seeing here, humanly speaking, how thrilled God is when his people consider him and his way. And that, that's in there, isn't it? God loves that. Turn to Acts 17, 11, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. This is, has to do with a place where Paul went and preached, and, and uh, out of that there was a group of people gathered together, and their way of life uh, should be our way of life. It's the best way of life that there is. And I want that for this church and for your home and for my life and for my home. A lot of it's gone, and even in Paul's day, many didn't have it. It's kind of a scariest commodity in all generations, but it's the best there is. It says that these were more noble than those of Thessalonica, that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind, and search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. A child of God, listen, it's dangerous for you to take my interpretation of the scripture without having some desire to make a survey for yourself or demanding that I make a survey with you. I come you to say that. Now, these people were not hateful. They didn't try to prove the preacher that he was wrong. They wouldn't show out. Their knowledge wasn't puffing them up. They wasn't going to try to show the preacher they knew more than he did. Ha, ha, ha. They just wanted to make a survey to where that they'd be sure that their own soul were not in bondage to truth. Y'all follow me in that? The reason, the reason that our culture is like it is, that where that is hard for a lot of children of God to believe anything much because preachers say so many different things from the same thing. And so you just go to church and worship God and, and let it go at that. Now what brought that on is, is because that believers got out of the, got away from what these people were in, they made no survey for themselves. They just what took what the preacher said, and then they heard somebody, some other preacher saying something else, 
And they got to think, well, the preachers can't agree. How do they expect me to believe much? That's the condition we're in. But I don't only believe, I know that if a preacher that's been called to preach is honest, and he'll make an honest survey of this word of God, and if believers will make a survey with him, they'll come mighty close to agreement upon all subjects. And that which they do not agree upon, they can be livable and cause no hard feelings among them. But nobody's doing that in the day that I live, basically. It's always been a rare commodity. I would want for this church, for this spirit right here. What we read out of the word of God is always right. But our interpretation may be wrong. Just because I believe something don't make it right. Jacob believed with all his heart that his son Joseph had been killed by a beast. He actually believed that. He thought his son was dead. He thought he had the right evidence to make it because the boys had lied and put some blood of a beast on there and went and carried it. He's dead. Jacob believed that. Later on, they come and told him the truth and he couldn't hardly accept it. He just had the wrong information and for several, several months, several, several in the year, Jacob lived in bondage believing a lie. Now Paul is so engaged that these Galatians don't believe a lie till his whole fiber his being is like a woman involved in childbirth. Now you, I doubt if it's as much as two people right in this congregation now believes as a preacher living in the day in which you live is interested in your soul like that. I can't blame you for being that way. I don't condemn you for being that way. And I don't want you to believe that I am that way unless I prove it to you. I don't care what I say. Don't you believe it till I prove it to you. You hear that, Keeper? Don't you run back to Texas and say, Brother Wallace is just like Paul was in Galatians 4.19. Because you don't know that. And you will never know it until I prove it to you. I can say it. And that's as quick as you approve it to me. When you tell me that you want to be a disciple, I believe that when you prove it to me. That's the only way I can believe anything. It's horrifying for people, for a preacher, just to not care whether his people believe truth or not. Just come and we'll try to get some people up the aisle and have a big time and get a few saved. You going back to the house. Brother Jim Welfar said the other day, said the other day to me, he said, when you're coming back by to see me, he should expect me to come by to see him. Right there in that nursery, knock on that door and say, Jim, I'm going to talk to you if I have to walk along while you water the flowers. And I hope that he'll get to expecting where that he expects me to come and knock on his door at home and ask him if you understood the sermon. Not until I get to doing that, he need not believe that I have the spirit 
of Galatians 4.19. You hearing me? I don't care how much I say it. I don't care how much I say it. Don't you believe it till I prove it. That's why it talks about the ministry being full time. But what we got to believe about that was that you give some preacher enough money to do as he pleases. That's what we got to believe about that. But a preacher that's got the spirit that Paul had will do it whether you pay him very much or not. If he knows you could do better, he'll probably ask you. But you won't get mad when he asks you because he's made full proof that he loves your soul. Say it out loud. Amen. If I could prove to you that I love you like Paul did, you'd give me your eye teeth if I asked. Because you know I wouldn't ask because I was in dire need of them. Child of God, listen. Preachers are more in bondage than anybody in the world. The Bible says that the leaders do cause them to err. If you're in error, it's because some leader led you there. Turn to 1 Corinthians 1.10, please, if you would. I want, I want what I'm fixing to read for you and for me. I want this. But don't you believe that until you, I prove it to you. I want this. I'm just saying, I'm saying to you today that I want Galatians 4.19 to be in my life. I want it in your life. I want this right here. I want us to be this way. It's on a way for success. 1 Corinthians 1.10 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren, it's the same man that's talking to them Galatians. What a fellow he was. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that y'all speak the same thing. What a challenge that is. Now what's that saying? That saying is possible. But the only way you can do it is make the survey of what it said upon the subject. That y'all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, most people tell me in the day I live that that can't be so. I say it can be so. I say it will be so if we regain the spirit that dwelt in Paul. I'm going to finish my talk up today I'll read it to you and St. John chapter 8. I'm going to read, read several verses, make very little comments, and that'll mean that I should sit down. John, St. John chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading verse 30. I want to read the rest of that chapter. Uh, I won't be able to stop and make any comments much, but these verses will show us that it's utterly impossible to help anyone that's in bondage if they don't want out of it. Or if they're in bondage and don't know it. 
All you can do is just tell them and go on. You cannot make them. You can only make them mad. And they'll, they'll, they'll pop you in the stomach if you push them too far. And I want you to catch this as we go along. I want you to see the tragedy, though, of darkness. Child of God, I'm in bondage in some areas right now and don't even know it. You hear me say that? I want you to hear me say something else. And there's been certain times in my ministry that I preached a lie. I later on found that out. I've done it sincerely, but I've asked God to forgive me. And you know why I've done that? It's because I didn't spend enough time in making the survey. You hear me say that? I didn't go to others that had, that, that were a lot more mature than I was, honest men, to inquire what they had found out. I was doing my own little thing, just like most preachers are doing right now. And that's made the children of God so sick that they won't even listen at you. Children of God don't come to church carrying nothing home to talk about. I know I'm right about that. That fiddle family of the grandchildren look about and whether, whether they caught on whether they didn't, they're material. But they're not to blame for that. The preachers are to blame for that. But that's a stupor that we're in, and I'm honest enough to confess it. That's a stupor we're in. That's a stupor I'm in. And I don't think you'll tell me at the service that I'm wrong. You know that. It's just because it sure took over till we think that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's why if a man asks for any more than that, he's looked upon as someone that's tromping on my toe. Hey, who's he think he is? If that's what he wants, we'll get some pastor that knows what he's talking about. That'll say what I want him to say. That'll tolerate all this here before he comes. We like it just behind these stained glass windows, just like it is. And brother, don't you think you're going to rock the boat? That's the culture we're in. And Paul says that's just exactly like it would be in Second Timothy 4, and end up totally almost in self-gratification. Okay, let's read, then, and I'll sit down. John 8, beginning in verse 30. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. And were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? In other words, they're saying we're not in bondage. But what they're claiming for salvation is being kin to Abraham. They're in total bondage and are completely satisfied with him. That's where our culture is today. We're totally satisfied. And don't you tell me I'm wrong. Nobody has the right to do that. That's exactly where we're at. 
If Brother Mike wants to see my face turn red, let him come up to my house this evening and tell me wherein I'm wrong. And if I want to see his face turn red, let me come over to his house. Don't you tell me I'm wrong. These Jews that's in total bondage are telling Christ, don't you tell me I'm wrong about my plan of salvation. We never have been or we never will be in bondage. Isn't that terrible? But Christ had compassion upon them for we had put them on the gallows and hang them. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.